this church, Helen having been also a member of our choir. They've both been very active in the adult education class, been in the Westminster class, and today this is their last Sunday worshiping with us for this week. They travel to Camp Hill, Pennsylvania to their new home and to mission. We thank you, Earl and Helen, for all that you mean to Bakerstown Church, and we wish you Godspeed and his grace and mercy to continue to be with you. Thank you. Follow with me now as we read from Luke's Gospel, the 16th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a steward, and charges were brought to him that this steward was wasting his goods. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. And the steward said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the stewardship away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that people may receive me into their houses when I am put out of the stewardship. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest steward for his prudence. For the sons of this world are wiser in their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails they may receive you into the internal habitations. He who is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and he who is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you who have not been faithful in the unrighteous manner, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No master, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. <clears throat> you have just read and heard perhaps the most puzzling, perplexing parable that Jesus ever presented. And the problem is this, there isn't one upright, honest individual in the whole list of characters. They're all a bunch of scoundrels. <laughs> They're all thieves, they're all crooks. The main character, he's a steward. The Living Bible calls him an accountant. And somehow, somewhere, he has been ripping off his master for a long, long period of time. The people who are the accounts, they have been stealing on their contract and have not done right. And even the master, though he was the one who lost, he must have had a little larceny in his heart, for how could he commend an unjust steward even 
for his prudence. There isn't one honest person in this whole parable, and that has caused many people to ask, why then would our Lord, who is so honest, pure, righteous, upstanding, why would he tell such a parable? Some people have mistaken the teaching to think that Jesus is really encouraging us to be rascals, rogues, and rather loose with our money and that we should become thieves and robbers. Believe me, that is not what Jesus is saying. Rather, the point that our Lord here is very simple and very much to the point. It is simply this, that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the children of this world are wiser than those of us who call ourselves the children of light. Jesus is trying to say it as politely and honestly as he possibly can, the truth that sometimes those people who do not accept God through Jesus Christ, those people are sometimes wiser in their devotion, their dedication, and discipleship than those of us who claim to be Christian. And Jesus then and now, as always, is right. Yes, we can learn from those children of darkness. Yes, good examples can be taught from bad people. And I think it's high time that we sit down and take some of these lessons. Such people as are in this parable can teach us much about reality. Yes, you notice not one of these was afraid to face facts. Not one of them chose to, to bury his head in the sand and try to think that this too shall pass. They were very realistic. They faced facts, and they did not live in a dream world. Take the master. Once he heard that his servant was ripping him off, he didn't ask any questions. He didn't go and ask whether or not it was true. He, he didn't bother too much worrying about it. He got that rascal in there, and he told him he was done. He was finished, and he had just a short time to get his household in order. Take the man who got the dismissing news. He didn't plead. He didn't beg. He didn't even pray. He knew the handwriting was on the wall. He had had a good thing. Now the jig was up. So instead of crying over spilt milk, all he did was begin to invest in plans for his future. And take the people who were not being honest in their accounts. Once they heard that they had the opportunity of getting a bargain, they jumped at it. And though they couldn't come up or did not come up with the full amount, they were able to raise the amount that was offered to them. You see, they faced reality. No matter how bad the situation looked, they faced it and they took it. They were realistic about it. Now take our hero in this parable. He certainly is not our hero, but he's the one who's the main character. He faced the reality of stewardship. What are the realities of stewardship? One, that though he was a very powerful man at that time, though he possessed many things, 
he faced up to the fact that nothing, nothing that he possessed really belonged to him. He owned nothing. Everything belonged to the master. He was merely a steward, a manager, an accountant, someone who was responsible for supervising, taking care of, and being able to account for the various things of power that were in his possession. Secondly, he realized that the day was soon coming and he faced the fact when he would no longer have these possessions, that they would be called back by the owner. Thirdly, he faced the fact that even though he would no longer be a steward, he would still have to live. He still had the tomorrow to look forward to. And fourthly, he realized that the only way he could provide for the tomorrow was by using the possessions today or while he still had them to provide for the tomorrow. He faced up to those facts and though he was an individual who I'm sure had lied many times to his master and had lied many times to his accounts, never once do we get the idea that he ever lied to himself. When it came to self, he was very realistic and he faced the facts of life. That's the way the children of this world operate and oh how God wishes that the children of light would be likewise. We don't lie to people, at least deliberately, but oh how we lie to ourselves. We too are stewards. How hard it is for us to face up to the fact that the house that we live in, the car that we drive, the money that we sign for with our checks, how hard it is for us to face the facts, those aren't ours. They're given to us as possessions for us to be in charge of and to manage. But we like to think that they belong to us. Everything that we have, every day that we live is a gift from God. Every talent that we have is a gift from God. Every dollar we earn is a gift from God. And all we are are managers, stewards, accountants of these gifts to use them to the best advantage. But how hard that is for the children of light to accept. It's hard for us also to accept that second fact of life which this scoundrel faced that someday, and it might be very soon, we're going to have to give an account for every gift that has been given to our possession. Every gift. Not one will be forgotten. And we're going to have to justify that gift, how we used it, before the Almighty Himself. We don't like to face the fact, do we, that even when our stewardship is taken away, we're still going to have to live. Either there or there, wherever those places are. We have to live. We're going to continue after we give account for our stewardship. That's a fact of life. And that where we live and how we live will depend then on what we do today with the gifts that are in our possession, the power which now we have as a grant and a gift from God. You try to talk this to religious people, they think you're after money. That's not it. You try to tell those of us who are the children of light that things aren't always going to be this way. They don't want to hear it. 
you get people who are considered disciples of Jesus. And oftentimes you'll find people who face anything but reality and who'll do nothing in facing the facts. Jesus was right. The scoundrels, they face the facts. The children of light, hmm, they like to put it off till tomorrow, forgetting that tomorrow is only today, 24 hours later, and that someday there'll be no tomorrow. The children of this world can teach us not only about realism, but they can teach us about resourcefulness. That's the great thing about this main character. When he was told that he was finished, when his stewardship was going to be taken away from him in a very short period of time, this man faced facts, but he didn't give up. He was down, but he was not out. He just turned on the brain power a little bit more. He dug the well for ideas, and he used the resources that God gives not only to the just, but the unjust as well. He used his God-given talents to think up some way that he would be able not only to take care of other people as well as his master, but also to take care of himself as well. He used that unrighteous man and, and he turned it into friends. He didn't call in for help. He didn't go see a psychiatrist. He didn't even go see a preacher. All he did was begin to think, what now can I do? He wasn't worrying about getting his old job back. He was trying to think what he could do to, to protect his future. And he came up with a beaut of an idea. He thought to himself, if he could get these people indebted to him, they would then take care of him when he was in debt. And sure enough, he invested in people, not in things, but in people. And he went to the one who owed a hundred measures of, of olive oil, and he said, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of oil. He says, sit down quickly and write out a check for 50. And the account was very, very grateful. He said, bless you, bless you, my man. I'll never forget this. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And the man did let him know when there was something he could do for him. He went to the one who owned a hundred measures of wheat and he said how much can you give he told him to give him 80 measures of wheat and the man said thank you my man if there's anything you can i can do for you let me know i will he says i will let you know and he did and he made friends while there was still time using the unrighteous manna so that those people could take him into the house of eternal habitation. Very creative, very creative. I haven't known a scoundrel yet, though it's very hard for me to stomach them, to find one who's been beaten. <laughs> they always somehow seem to be so resourceful. And though God does not like what they stand for, he does appreciate their resourcefulness. But the children of light? <laughs> We give up. We quit so easily. As some of you know, I'm greatly concerned about attendance in churches throughout the United Presbyterian Church in the United States of America. It's very poor, ladies and gentlemen, with the exception of Florida, 
and that only in the winter months, attendance at worship is very, very poor. And when I try to spread this word of alarm and try to be realistic and try to help not only ourselves but other people to be resourceful in trying to come up with new ways, oh my, you should hear the complaining and the moaning. People want to talk about their disappointments. People want to talk about how it cannot be done. Instead of being children of light who can move this world, we become less than the rascals and think that we're done and out. Christian education, do you know that in Allegheny County alone, since 1960, the enrollment, not the attendance, the enrollment, which is supposed to be far more, is just half of what it was in 1960 means by 1990 we won't have any church schools left and we're trying to do something here in this church about it we're trying to be resourceful and i understand some of you are not too cooperative in in helping us to be resourceful in trying to get your children and your own bodies in this place to study the word of god when 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 are we going to become resourceful? We can take a study, you see, from the children of darkness. We can learn from the children of this world. And also we can do it about readiness. That's the great thing about these people in here that I like. Even though it was wrong, even though it was dishonest, these people, once they had faced reality, had come up with a resourceful plan, they were ready to move, and they moved quickly, he says, right and you will be free. You know what we children of light do? We appoint a committee. You know what a committee is, don't you? Do you know what a camel is? That's a horse put together by a committee. Now, we search. We can't seem to get off to move. We're not ready. Little boy was having a test in his vocabulary school. His parents were Presbyterian, and you know in our Presbyterian faith we have this doctrine called predestination. I think you all know what that means. His teacher asked him, though, the question, what does procrastination mean in getting the words mixed up because they are similar in sound? He said, oh, that's what Presbyterians believe in. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. It takes us so long to get moving, even when we have the resources and after we face reality. And that's too bad. Children of this world, they don't sit around and wait. But we do. And then we wonder where the impact, the power, the strength of the church is in a world today. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Are we too proud to learn good lessons from bad people? You see, when we don't do that, ladies and gentlemen, we do just the reverse, which is far worse. Good people teach bad lessons. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Father, in these days, help us to remember who we are and what we're here to do. Help us to realize our stewardship and help us never to be too proud, too lazy to learn. Father, please lead us. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.